Hello, my name is Donnie Smith, and I'm the pastor here at Ascension Christian Center in Apopka, Florida. I hope this message changes, impacts, and challenges you in your relationship with Jesus Christ. If you enjoy the message, you can connect with us on our website, Facebook, or Instagram at Ascension Christian Center. Thank you, and enjoy. How many are ready for the Word of God this morning? How many are hungry? (laughs) Spiritually hungry. You got about an hour, 45 minutes. Okay, if you can, if you have your Bibles with you or your iPhone or smartphone, I'd like you to get your Bibles and go with me to Ezekiel chapter 37, verse 1 through 14. Ezekiel 37, verse 1 through 14. And I would like to give some context you know, sometimes it's, it's tough ministering the word at times because you want to preach a word that's applicable and relevant to the hearer of that message, right? And you also want to be biblical, but you also want to give context as to um, what the story is actually talking about. The surrounding, you can't just take a text and preach on it out of a single text. You have to understand the time in history, what was happening, what the purpose behind it all was. Amen. So I want to give you some context as you hold your finger there right before we read it at Ezekiel 37, um, and I want to kind of just describe kind of what was going on in this context, amen, and then we'll make it relevant to where we are in our personal lives, amen? Is everybody awake? So Ezekiel was a prophet, everybody say a prophet, and he was also a priest in these days. Ezekiel 37, it's a very famous portion of scripture. It talks about the valley of dry bones. Basically, he gets caught up in the spiritual awakening in a moment of time. God puts him in in a valley, and he shows Ezekiel this vision of this huge valley full of dry men's bones. And God gives this connotation that it is a vision about the children of Israel at that time. Now, the children of Israel were held in captivity. Everybody understand where I'm going here? They were held in captivity. It was during that 70-year period where they were trapped and uh, held prisoner by the Babylonians. Everybody say the Babylonians. And so you have to understand the context here and the, the time and season that they were living in. And you'll see the discouragement and you'll hear it in Ezekiel's voice, but he was in a really troubled time in his day. The people of God were taken out of their nation, out of Israel, out of Jerusalem, and they were put in Babylonian captivity. And so you can understand the discouragement that they're facing in this period of time. And the reason why I want to give you kind of a biblical backdrop is because you have to kind of get into the mind of this prophecy on what's going on. He was discouraged. Anybody discouraged in this place this morning? Probably not going to get a whole lot of amens, but I'm, I'm assuming that you didn't just come to church this morning because everything is not perfectly lined up in your life right now. I would only assume. Certainly not everything is perfect in my life. Well, God gives Ezekiel this vision. I want to pick it up in Ezekiel chapter 37, verse 1 through 14, and he says this. I want you to read along with me. It'll be up on the screen if for whatever reason you don't have your Bible, and it says this, the hand of the Lord came upon me. And brought me out in the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the midst of a valley. And it was full of bones. Everybody say bones. Then he caused me to pass by 
them all around. And behold, there were very many in the open valley. And indeed, they were, they were very dry. And he said to me, son of man, can these bones live? And so I answered, oh, Lord God, listen to the tone of voice. Oh, Lord God, you know. And again, he said to me, prophesy to these bones and say to them, oh, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, surely I will cause breath to enter you and you shall live. I will put sinews on you and bring flesh upon you to cover you with skin and to put breath in you and you shall live. And then you shall know that I am the Lord, your God. So I prophesied as I was commanded and there was a noise. Everybody say there was a sound and suddenly a rattling. And the bones came together and covered them all over, and there was no breath in them. And he said to me, prophesy to the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain that they may live. So I prophesied, and he commanded me, and the breath came into them, and they lived and stood upon their feet, and an exceeding great army stood up. Then he said to me, son of man, these bones are the house of Israel, they indeed say our bones are dry and our hope is lost and we ourselves are cut off. Therefore prophesy and say to them, thus says the Lord your God, behold my people, I will open your graves and cause them to come up from the grave and bring you into the land of Israel. Then you shall know that I am the Lord your God when I have opened your graves, O my people, and brought you up from the grave. I will put my spirit in you and you shall live and I will be placed, and you will be placed in your own land. Then you shall know that I am the Lord your God, and I have spoken to you and performed it. Today, I want to minister from the subject declaration. Everybody say declaration. Now, last week, I recently got into a series. It started last week, and the, the, to the topic or the title of this series is called The Sound of Awakening. And last week's title was desperation. Everybody say desperation. I didn't mean to kind of cause it to rhyme declaration and we have, uh, I'm sorry, declaration and last week was this desperation, but there was a sound to awakening. And what I mean by awakening, I, I mean revival, spiritual revival. When I say revival, I don't mean a Friday and a Saturday night at the church and then we all celebrate on Sunday. We're not talking about a weekend revival. I'm talking about a revival in your personal hearts because revival really can't happen worldwide until it happens in your own personal hearts in our own personal lives. Amen? And so God really had put this series in my heart because I want to see the church. I want to see your family. I want to see your personal lives revived in the Lord. How many can use a bit of reviving? How many can use a little bit of defibrillator, spiritually speaking, on their hearts in the Lord? And so that's why I wanted to uh, go into this series. And again, this is entitled Declaration. Now, it'll make sense in just a moment. Um, it's amazing what God was doing right here with Ezekiel. He was teaching Ezekiel something. He brought him into a valley. First of all, I want to underline that point that God is the one who oftentimes puts us in valleys and fills us and surrounds us with things that seem dead just to see how we act. I want you to think about that for just one moment. And you're looking at me like, preacher, what do you mean that God would put me in a valley? 
God will often put us in really tight, difficult situations because it's not an ease, comfort, and pleasure that our faith grows. It's often in troubling times that drive us to our knees and give us a better understanding of who God is and gives God an opportunity to work things out in our lives because we know once he works that thing out, only he alone can receive the credit for working that thing out. And so oftentimes, God will put us in difficult situations. I want to underline about four points throughout this entire scripture, and so I'm going to jump back to portions of this scripture and highlight a few points if you'll allow me to do so. Number one, Ezekiel didn't stay silent. I want you to look at somebody and nudge them. Don't nudge them too hard. I want you to nudge them with your elbow just a little bit and say, don't stay silent in your valley that is full of bones. Say, don't stay silent. I want to underline this scripture in verse three, and it says this, and he said to me, son of man, can these bones live? And so I answered, Ezekiel answered and said, oh Lord God, you know, listen to the passivity in his response. Oh God, you know, have you ever talked to Christians before? You either knew they were a Christian because of what they wore around their neck or what have you. And you ask them how they were doing. You know, you do it at church every Sunday. Hi, how are you doing? And you give them a superficial response, and they also give you a superficial response. And then you both start speaking Christianese to each other, saying, blessed and highly favored. I'm doing well. The Lord's working it out. You know, all these different things that we use to deflect the reality of our situation. And knowing, if truth be told, we are in the midst of a valley that is full of bones because if, if I'm not being prophetic right now, but I can probably tell you that there's not one person in here who's not standing in the valley where they've got some bones in their lives that can use some resurrection. Am I on point there to some degree? Well, listen to the response of Ezekiel. Oh, Lord God, you know. And what I started thinking to myself is that maybe Ezekiel was experiencing some type of discouragement, but he had a revelation. When you don't have anything nice to say, like mom used to say, don't say anything at all. Amen? And so there are times and seasons in your life when you'll go through something where the enemy will either try to get you to not say anything at all or try to get you to speak negative about your situation. And there are times where not only God will put you in difficult situations, but the enemy will orchestrate things to get you to stay silent in your situation and to cower down and not say a word. He will back you into the corner. Your back will be up against the wall. I don't know what your valley looks like, and I'm certainly not sure of what your dry bones consist of, but it might be financial, it might be marital, it might be in your health, it might be a job, it might be health issues. I'm not sure what it is, but we all have valleys that we find ourselves in that are full of bones and that need resurrection power, and the last thing we need to do is stand in that valley and remain silent and allow the enemy to see our discouraged look on our face. If you're going to go through something, don't do him a favor by putting a frown on at least do yourself a favor and smile while you're in the midst of that valley. I will not give the enemy pleasure knowing that I am experiencing deep grief in the midst of my suffering. If I'm going to suffer, I'm going to do my best to at least crack a smile and frustrate him. <laughs> Amen. Smith Wigglesworth. How many have heard of Smith Wigglesworth before? I love that man too. 
I have all the collections. I'm a book collector. I love books. I'm not a huge TV guy, although I watch TV. Um, I, I love to read, though, and I, so I have a little mini library at my house in my study, and it has all the God's General's books, and so Smith Wigglesworth is, is one of my favorite. They called him the Apostle of Faith. And uh, there was recorded under his ministry about 20 people raised from the dead and uh, all kinds of sicknesses and uh, healed and infirmities healed. There, there was a guy who didn't have um, a foot. And Smith Wigglesworth told him to go buy a pair of shoes. And um, can you imagine, what would your response be if you didn't have a, a foot and someone tells you to go buy a pair of shoes? I could see him saying, go, pair, buy, a pair, uh, go buy a shoe, but not a pair of shoes. <laughs> so he was missing a foot. So he goes and buys a pair of shoes, and uh, lo and behold, the guy's foot grows out. So you, it, he had an extraordinary ministry. He's seen creative miracles, signs and wonders. He died, I believe, in 1949, give or take a year or two. And he was telling this story as I was reading about how we ought to treat the devil. And he said he was at a train. They used train, trains for commute. Back then, wasn't a whole lot of one. Everybody didn't have a car like like we do these days. And uh, he was seeing a woman. They were all going to the train station, and her little dog began to follow her to the train station. And periodically, as she was walking, she would turn around and tell the dog in a nice little voice, like Chantel talks to her dog in her sweet voice. And she says, "You know, go lay down." Well, she would say, "Go back home, honey." And so several times, this elderly woman would turn around and say this to the dog. Well, the dog didn't listen to her. Well, finally, she gets to the train station, and you know now the dog's kind of in danger. The dog probably end up getting lost. Well, she turns around, and she shouts at the dog, go home right now. And the dog tucks its tail, and it runs all the way back home. And Smith Wigglesworth begins to chuckle, and he said, we ought to start treating the devil that way. Too many people talk nicely to him. And as a child of God, there is a time to be nice and quiet. But if you're a child of God and you've got stuff going on in your life and the enemy as work as is at work in your life, don't sit around and purr at him like a kitten. Roar at him like a lion. You command and you tell him to leave and you look at those bones in your life, whatever that valley looks like for you, and you command those things to live. In Jesus' name, amen? And I want you to think about what God was saying when he was telling Ezekiel, I want you to look at these bones, and I got a question for you. Can these bones live? I want you to look at your neighbor and say, can your bones live? Can your, look at your other neighbor, your second choice, and say, can those bones live? Can that dead thing live in your life? Now, I want you to think about, this is God who is a life-giving spirit talking to a man asking him if they can live. And he, Ezekiel gives this response, oh, Lord, you know. Think about that. God's will was for that thing to come to life, that dead situation to come to life. But what God wanted to know is if he thought he could get it done. In other words, he was saying, do you believe I'm able to resurrect this thing? Do you believe I'm able to take a dry situation, a difficult situation, something that's hard, something that you've given up on? Do you believe that I'm able to resurrect the dead thing in your life. And so all he was trying to get Ezekiel to do is not to prophesy or to speak something just by faith. He was trying to get Ezekiel to look at it from his perspective. Where you see dry bones, God sees potential. Where you see closed doors, God sees open doors. 
When you see sickness, God sees healing. God sees in another dimension. And so he was inviting Ezekiel to see from a different realm and from a different perspective. Amen. Amen. Number two, don't speak death in your situation when you see those dead things going on. Speak life. Look at somebody and say, speak life. Far too long do I see people, when they look at their negative situations, declare out into the atmosphere of what it looks like. They have seven aches and pains, and if you ask them how they're doing, they give you a laundry list of you know, the medicines that are taken. And I don't say there's anything against that per se, but what I am against is I am against continuing to declare and label yourself with things that is under God's best for your life. I didn't get enough amens there. Speak life. In verse four, it says this. And again, he said to me, prophesy to these bones and say to them, oh, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. I want you to hear that. Everybody say, hear the word of the Lord. Hear the word of the Lord. He didn't say, hear my word. Notice that. Hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord your God to these bones. Surely I will cause breath to enter you and you shall live and I will put sinews on you and bring flesh upon you and cover you with skin and breath and you shall live. Somebody say, speak the word. This word prophecy can be very, very intimidating, especially in today's church. I want to tell you about two different ways people can prophesy. There is one group of people who um, prophecy is the innate ability for you to hear what God is saying or to hear what the Holy Spirit is saying in your heart, and then you then in turn deliver that word, but it's by the inspiration of the Spirit of God. In other words, you meet someone, and God's speaking something to your heart, and, and God says, I want you to tell this person such and such or thus and so whether they lost a job. Has anybody ever had a word given to you that was on point, or have you ever given someone a word that was on point? Come on, I want to see a show of hands. That is, that is prophecy under the, um, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. But there is a, a, another way of prophesying that, is, that has less depth, but is just effective. Now watch this. Do you know what the word prophecy means or to prophesy means? It means to declare the word of God boldly. Everybody say boldly. There's still prophecy because you can say something that is about to happen when it's inspiration by the Holy Spirit, but you can also say stuff that's already happened. So this is important because you don't necessarily need to hear from heaven and get an inspiration from the Holy Spirit to get God's work done. All you have to do is declare to the dry bones in your life something that Jesus already did. Dead bones come alive. And notice he didn't say, hear my word or hear Donnie's word or hear Stephanie or Ruth or Ronnie's word. He said, hear the word of the Lord. Dry bones come to life. If you have a dead situation that you're facing in your life, whatever that might be, we have to get it down into our spirit and our, into our soul, the word of God, and then declare the word of God boldly over that thing. And when do you stop declaring God's word? Until it lines up perfectly with what God's word says about that situation. If you are struggling in your marriage, don't you sit there and declare death over that marriage. You begin to speak life and speak the word of God over that. I have a Christ, uh, a spirit-filled husband. I 
have a spirit-filled wife. If she's mean as a rattlesnake, you say, Lord, I speak gentleness over her spirit, man. You begin to declare the word of God boldly. If you're sick in your body, you don't want to say, I'm just sick all the time and I wake up with a headache all the time. If you wake up with that headache, I don't want you to fake it. I want you to faith it. I want you to say, I am healed by the stripes of Jesus Christ. I speak healing over my body. You have to refuse to accept less than God's best in your life. Amen. Most people declare how their situations look instead of declaring how they want it to look or how God's word says it should look. If there is anything in your life and it can go from finances to your, 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 your marital life or your health life or whatever that might be, whatever it is, somebody say whatever it is, we have to allow the word of God to dictate how that thing should look. And God partners with our mouth. He doesn't need your help working and orchestrating everything. But I want you to see that God didn't change that situation for Ezekiel until Ezekiel spoke. Do you see that? Amen. Most people look at their situations and simply declare how it looks currently instead of using their faith to declare how it should look. Amen. I wrote a few things down here, and I want you to hear that. I want you to hear your own voice in these things because I want you to change your confession. Somebody say, change your confession. Look at somebody and say, change your confession. So don't say, why am I always broke? Say, thank you, Lord, that I'm a lender and not a borrower. That's what the Bible says. Again, hear the word of the Lord. That's what the word of the Lord says. Don't say your word. Say his word. Some of you ought to take your wallets out and prophesy and declarely declare something over your credit cards, declare that you are debt-free. If you're struggling in your credit like they used to struggle in their credit, I want you to start declaring over your credit report. Come on, y'all ain't saying nothing. I'm talking about faith here. Declare to your wallet that I am blessed. I am blessed to be a blessing. I'm above only and not beneath. I'm a lender and not a borrower. Amen. Why am I always feeling depressed? I always hear that. You ought to start saying, I have the joy of the Lord. When you wake up in the morning, don't declare that I'm depressed and I feel defeated and I'm going to have a terrible day or day's already starting like this. These kind of confessions give the enemy access and, and, and attract him so he can continue to cause you to have a bad day. And he's trying to get you to rely on your feelings so you declare your feelings so he can continue to get you to feel that way. Amen. Don't say my spouse will never change. Say, Lord, I thank you that you're sending answers to this relationship. I don't care if you've been married for 25 or 30 years. Never allow yourself to get so defeated that there is hopelessness in that marriage. Don't declare hopelessness. Declare hope. Declare light. Declare love. Declare that I'm going to have a 50th year anniversary. Come on, amen? amen? I love what the Proverbs says in chapter 6, verse 2, it says this, you are, you are ensnared by the words of your mouth. You are taken by the words of your mouth. In Proverbs 18, 21, it says this, death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. Look at somebody and say, speak life. What is that thing that's currently gnawing in your life that needs a bit of life? Yeah. 
Speak life. Don't speak death. Speak life. If you're struggling in school, don't say, I hate school. I'm not asking you to say, I love school. Maybe that might be. But say, Lord, I thank you that I am graced to do this. Don't speak negative over that situation. The more you feed something, the more that thing grows. If you feel bad about a certain situation, the more you talk about how much you don't want to do it or how how much death is in that situation or how difficult it is, isn't it funny how it seems to get worse over time? It's because... Seeds of doubt work just like seeds of faith do. If you feed your doubts, doubt will grow. If you feed your faith by God's word, your faith will then grow. Be careful how you water the seeds that you sow. Amen. Number three. Everybody okay this morning? We talk about revival in this church. And as you see, the past couple of weeks, I've been, I've been talking about that awakening. And um, I was thinking about last week how desperation is a sound of awakening. In other words, I know an awakening is coming to a specific church in a region by how desperate they are for God. Because you're not going to get anything from God by being passive about it if you do it. You know, there has to be a sense of desperation. And I don't mean like, Lord, you need to do it or anything like that. It's more like a cry of God, I need you in my life. Like, I am desperate for you to do something in my life. I am hungry. I need more of you. You realize that all of your resources are nothing unless he's a part of it. You begin to realize that everything else is built on sinking sand. That's the kind of desperation I'm talking about. And I'm trying to make it applicable to our personal lives. But one of the reasons why I really created this message, and we're into now this message called Declaration, is because I'll know God is about to move in a specific church or region by their confessions. You see that? So it's not just for your personal lives. I want you to look at your personal lives as I'm teaching this, but I also want you to think about the church as a whole, this church, this specific body as well, and the church at large. And we have to get our confessions right. What do I mean by that? Make it practical, Pastor. What do I mean by that? Is when you walk in here, don't say, Lord, the church is half full. You know, when I walk in here, I say, Lord, I thank you that we're about to just move next door and the children are about to have to come over here because we're about to be brimming over with God's people busting out of the doors out of this place. Amen? Lord, I thank you, Lord. I thank you that your glory is about to show up here. I thank you that people's bodies are going to get healed. I thank you that marriages are about to be restored. I thank you that you're promoting this church, Lord, and you're giving us access to everything that you have made available through Jesus Christ's death and his resurrection, Lord. You got to positively confess the word of God. Amen? Number three, listen closely. Listen closely. Look at somebody and say, listen up. Listen up. Verse seven says this. So I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I prophesied, there was a noise or there was a sound, there was a declaration. Do you hear that? There was a noise. I looked up that in in a different version other than New King James, and it says, and there was a noise, or there was a sound, I'm sorry. There was a sound, and suddenly a rattling of the bones coming together, bone to bone. Look at somebody and say, it's coming together. 
It may not look like much now, but it is coming together, whatever that thing is in your life. And I want you uh, to look at, at your situation. I want you to get that kind of in your mind's eye right now. And it's important. What, what it sounds like is important. What do I mean by don't look at it in the natural and listen? What do I mean by that? Everybody say, what does he mean by that? You have to listen with your spirit, man, and not, not pay attention to what's just happening with your natural eye. You, ha you have to hear. And, and I love what Jesus says right here, Sean. Watch this. He says, those who have ears to hear, let them hear. What does that mean? Just because you have appendages, thank God y'all's ears aren't as big as mine, but just because you have appendages on the side of your head sticking out doesn't mean that you have the ability to hear. You might be able to listen to something, but not hear it. What, what do I mean by that? Everybody thought Noah was crazy. They thought he was cray-cray. The reason they thought he was so crazy is because at that time, some theologians say that there had never been rain up to that point. And so what is a boat? They didn't know what a boat was. Build a boat that is, uh, uh, what, what was it, uh, uh, 300 cubits? That's almost 600 feet. That's a really big boat. And so hammering and nailing all of these wood structures together to get this big old boat because rain's coming? Well, what is rain? He had an ability to be able to hear God's voice. And so despite of his naysayers and despite of the critics, Noah obeyed the Lord and began to do what he called him to do in spite of what it looked like. It had never rained. And there are certain situations that probably you're facing right now and you're thinking in your heart because of what everybody else is saying, you need to give up on that. You need to give up on that dream. You need to give up on that marriage. You need to give up on that business idea. Listen, don't be careful who you tell your dreams to. Be careful who you share your aspirations with because it will feed you with doubt instead of listening, listening, come on, listen, everybody say listen, instead of listening to your spirit man. If God is telling you, listen, to do something extraordinary in his kingdom, rarely does it line up in the natural. You have to hear in your heart first, hear in your spirit first. Listen closely. Somebody say, listen closely. I have a friend of mine. We have been close friends for 27 years. He's a good friend of mine. His name is Matthew. Um, we've known each other just outside of the first grade. We grew up four houses down from each other. Matthew is very successful. Um, I love him dearly. Uh, he is a mechanical engineer for Lockheed Martin. He is a, um, an engineer. He works in the failure analysis department. So he basically does failure analysis on rockets and high-powered weapons and all kinds of amazing things. And um, for many, many years, you know, I've been in business uh, for 18 years, also been in ministry for the past couple of years, uh, certainly off and on for about 15. But uh, Matthew um, is a numbers guy. He's an engineer, you know, it's about what's natural. If it doesn't line up, two plus two needs equal four, right? Well, me, it was kind of like the rich dad, poor dad. I don't know if you guys have read the book. Well, me and Matthew's pers uh, perspective in life and our approach to life is very, very different. And, um, you know, he likes a stable job. He worked at the same job for many, many years. He was, uh, uh, worked in the army, in the reserves, and he would always try to say, Donnie, you know, you kind of need to let that go and maybe start looking at some other things that first decade. And I would always be discouraged. And I'm like, Matthew, you know, I really feel like this is what I'm supposed to do. And he would, 
a month, he would try to, you know, kind of talk me out of it, and then he'd let up for another six months, and it was this pattern for years and years and years and years. And recently, he just sat with me, and uh, we talked on the phone, and, and he thanked me, and he said, I see all that God is doing in your life. Thank you for not taking my advice. And, and, and you, ha- you have to hear that, because it's not about me. I want you to think about your own situation. You have to hear God for yourself and what he's calling you specifically to. Because the way he calls someone else is not the way that he called you. So how he's going to speak to you is going to differ from them. And so you have to hear God for yourself in your own heart. Because one day, you're going to stand before the throne of God and give an account to your own life and what you did with what he spoke to you to do. Amen? Everybody say, listen closely. I'm going to step out on a real limb here. Yes, bless him, Lord. Now, I'm not prophetically declaring this, but I thought it was funny. Uh-oh. They're like, uh-oh. <laughs> we have to. My wife's going to run. <laughs> So recent, recently, I had been, I, I'm a dreamer, and I really am. I really am a dreamer. The world needs dreamers. And so I just begin to prophetically declare some things, and I just, I'm a jumper. You know, shoot me. So I was driving, I was driving by uh, this wooded area um, to my left, your right. I just want to see what the Lord wanted to do. And I, when I see property, I dream. And so in my spirit, man, I'm, 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 I'm seeing all the trees cut down. I'm seeing a big building with a big steeple that you could see from I-4. And I'm just dreaming in my heart. And the owner of the facility, um, Joel's mom, said, Pastor, you know, you ought to think about that, that, this property over here. And so I, so I go home, and I'm, I'm just talking to my wife about it, what God's doing in my heart, and I'm just dreaming things up. You know, I'm usually about 10 steps ahead of myself, so I don't just see us in this building. I see us five years from now, right? Amen? Because God's going to send them. Come on, somebody say, God's going to send them. And, and, and so I, I drove, I, I park in the back generally, that way no one sees me and bothers me when I'm in the back office working. I park in the back of the building. Well, there's a, there's a little road that leads back there. Well, I went home and I talked to my wife that night and I said, honey, can't you see it? Can't you see all the trees cut down? Can't you see us building? And I start you know, trying to inspire her and she's like, yeah, yeah, she's trying to cook and she's blowing me off. She's not in the spirit. She's not hearing. <laughs> she's not hearing at that time. And so somebody, somebody say, listen closely. She wasn't listening closely. <laughs> it happens. And so the next morning I come down and for the first time ever, I seen it all bush hogged down the next morning, which means that that got cut down the day that I'm talking to her about this. I'm just telling you about breadcrumbs. I'm not saying thus saith the Lord. I just thought it was funny. And so a couple days later, I told my wife about this. I said, do you know I went to the building today and it was all cut down? And so she's like, you know, she doesn't get too giddy about it. She kind of brushed it off again. Well, I would have brushed it off. However, I came in on Sunday and Joel Jr. comes up to me and he says to me, somebody say, listen closely. He comes up to me and he says, pastor, you know, he's, he's, he's kind of all over like Cohen is and, and you can see the genuineness. And he said, I got a, I got a dream. 
I had a dream, and I want to tell you about it. I said, okay, son. And so I, so I sat down, and I'm listening to him. He says, Pastor Donnie, I had a dream the other night, and I told my dad, and, he, and Joel looks at me, and he says, Pastor Donnie, I did not tell him anything because I told Joel about this. And he proceeds to tell me. He had a dream. He said, we were all in the middle of woods, and we had a grill, and we were cooking out, and we all had to, we were building a church building. Somebody say, listen closely. You have to listen into your heart. See, when you're, when you're looking in the flesh, when you're looking in the natural, you say, Lord, we got 30 or 40 people. If everybody showed up on a Sunday morning who was supposed to, we could possibly pack out this 70-seater. But you have, to, you have to hear because God oftentimes starts with five loaves and two fish, but he tells you he's going to feed 5,000. Somebody say, listen closely. You have to listen to what God is saying in your heart. Now, that brought great encouragement to me. So whether God, not God uses that property or not, the fact of the matter is that God is speaking. And God is saying, you just hold on, Ascension Christian Center. I'm not talking about, hold on, Donnie. Hold on, Ascension Christian Center. The harvest is coming. Hold on. Your dreams are coming for you, for your family, for your finances, and for the dreams that I put in your heart. You got to hold on and you got to listen closely. And as I close, point number four, declare in detail. Come on, somebody say declaration. Declare in detail. Now, what do I mean by declare in detail? I want you to read this with me. It's a little lengthy. It's probably two verses. It's verse eight through 10, and it says this. Indeed, as I looked, come on, stand to your feet, if you will. Indeed, as I looked, the sinews and the flesh came upon them, and the skin covered over them, but there was no breath in them. Think about that. He had been declaring life over these things, and everything seemed to come together. But there was one thing that was missing. There was no breath in them. There were still some things that were undone. There's a, there's a Bible verse that says this, we see in part and we prophesy in part. In other words, this was only part of the story. There was still some work that needed to be done in these bones. They had skin on them. They had muscles. They had tendons, but they didn't have breath in them. In other words, that situation still didn't look exactly like what God intended it to. Come on, do you hear me? And so it goes on to say this. So he said to them, prophesy breath. Prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath, thus says the Lord your God, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain that they may live. And so I prophesied as he commanded me. And breath came into them, and they lived, and they stood up on their feet like an exceeding great army. Now, I don't know whatever it is in your life that only looks a part of what God spoke to you. But this morning, I want to hear a sound of awakening. I want you to use your voice, and I want you to publicly and loudly declare even into the atmosphere what that thing should look like. Come on, can we do that? Because that's the sound of awakening. So the whole point is to declare in detail. Now, what do I mean? You don't stop declaring it until it fully looks like what God said. I'm not going to stop declaring over this church and this congregation until it lines up with what he said. He said, start this church. 
He said to do certain things, and so that's what we're doing. But guess what? I'm not just going to sit by and by and just wait for something to happen. I'm going to use my mouth as a prophetic voice, and I want you to use your mouth as a prophetic voice in your own personal lives, and I want you to declare by faith what that thing should look like. If your marriage is only halfway where it should be, halfway to where it should, how do I say that? Halfway to where it should be. I want you to keep declaring that thing until it's, until it fully looks like what it's supposed to. And I want you even to declare over this church everything that it should be. An apostolic voice to the nation. Come on, I know we're small, but Jesus was born in a major inside Jerusalem in a little inn. Come on, God can do big things in little packages. Thanks so much for joining us. We hope this message impacted you today. If you'd like to support Ascension Christian Center, simply go to ascensionchristiancenter.com and click the gift tab or text ACCFL to 77977. Interested in hearing more? Check back weekly for new messages. Have a great day.